Warning. The following show features spoilers and opinions performed either by professionals or under the supervision of professionals. Accordingly, Dead and Married and the producers must insist that no one attempt to recreate or reenact any opinion or fuckery performed on this show. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Dead and Married. I'm Travis. Hello, I'm Ashley. Yeah, you gotta give him your name. Hello. So, this week, for your listening enjoyment... Uh, I didn't say pleasure this time, because I don't know that it really is. We're going to cover Friday the 13th, Part 8, Jason hijacks a Bubba Gump shrimping boat and <laughs> takes it to Vancouver and then on to New York for 15 minutes. If that. You have to add the if that in the title. <laughs> All right. <laughs> in parentheses. No, really, we are covering Friday the 13th, Part 8, Jason takes Manhattan, which... For a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Jason briefly visits Manhattan. I... I don't know. You know, when we were looking at uh, or watching Crystal Lake Memories, they were talking about how the, the guy that wrote it and was going to direct it or whatever had this huge vision of what we, what they were going to do. You know, he wanted to shoot on the Brooklyn Bridge, somewhere around the Empire State Building. Like, he had big plans. Madison Square Garden. And they were like, yeah, we don't have the money for that, which was bullshit because, you know, they had the it's money for paramount. that. It's paramount. They have the money. They just didn't want to give it to Friday the 13th. Correct. But they cut it down and cut it down. And he was like, okay, maybe we can do 50% of the movie there. And then it was, well, maybe we can do 40% of the movie there. And then it was a third. And it was like, well, maybe we can get about 10 minutes. Well, that's the that's the part of this that kills me, right? So Rob Hedden, or Hedden, however you pronounce it, the director, he didn't necessarily say anything about it having to be Manhattan. He just said, do I have to stay in Crystal Lake? Can I take this somewhere else? And it was actually Frank Mancuso Jr. who said, why don't we do New York? It was his idea. The head of Paramount. So if the head of Paramount is making that suggestion, then why wouldn't he try to follow through on that? I think my issue with it is that if you come up with this idea and you're going to basically the the idea is the title, Jason Takes Manhattan, and then you're slowly going to take Manhattan out of it. No, 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 no. Right. This big string of no's where you're really not going to be there much at all. Change the name of the fucking movie because he doesn't take Manhattan. He kind of does a drive by on Manhattan. (laughs) Actually, no. Because he, he basically doesn't really harm many of the residents of Manhattan. I don't think he harms any... Well, okay, maybe a couple. But yeah, nothing of note. Yeah, I mean, he didn't terrorize the boroughs or anything. He just showed up and kind of shoulder-checked through some people and killed a couple of drug addicts, whatever those two guys were. Yeah. And one Irish cop. Yeah. That was pretty much it. And a waiter that totally deserved it. <laughs> I just have a big bitch it's about just... the idea of this movie and the fact that they just continued with the title when it's... It's almost mislabeled. When you see the idea on paper, you think, okay, gimmicky, but that's kind of cool. Like, I kind of can't wait to see what happens here. And then it's like, I paid money for this, which I didn't. (laughs) I didn't. This was what, 89, 88? Well, technically, you did pay money for it because we own this movie. That's true. That's very true. Um, Because, again, this was... I think this was the second Friday the 13th movie I ever saw. I was little and I'm just going to go on record that I have a soft spot for this film. I think I've already brought that up. I do. I have some love and I have some nostalgia for it because as we well established off my earlier, there's a big difference between seeing it when you're a kid and seeing it as an adult. For the first time, I mean. Yeah, we, we talked about this over lunch. 
because I know that did we have at least one listener that really likes this movie? Well, I don't know if he listens. Um, it's a good friend of mine through our Killer Flicks Facebook group, Jeffrey Cool. This is his favorite entry in the series. Um, he's like I said before, he's actually got to meet Kane Hodder. Like he he loves this movie so much, and I totally understand. I love this movie so much, but I know that <laughs> horror lovers at large detest this particular entry as well as the next entry. Well, as as we discussed today. Um... You kind of, I think you have to have some nostalgia attached to this movie to really appreciate it. Because for the most part, the people that we know that love this movie saw it when they were a kid. They they saw this movie very early. Um, and in some instances, this was the first or second of the series that they ever saw. So there's a sentimental attachment to it. However, even if you're a horror fan, if you saw this later in life... It's a little, it's a tough sell. And that's kind of the side of the fence that I fall on. So just going to be upfront and honest. I don't care for this movie. Right. But I'm going to try to express my opinions without being shitty about it. (laughs) Should Jeffrey ever listen, right? (laughs) Well, one of our, one of our other five fans might also like this movie and I don't want to alienate anyone. So I will try to be somewhat politically correct about my dislike for this film. Stupid dog's making me look bad. <laughs> He'll go all day without barking, and then as soon as we come in here to record, I know, there he goes. like clockwork. <laughs> I don't know what the deal is. It's like he's trying to cock block us or something. <laughs> but in all seriousness, this movie was uh, came out in 1989 and rated R, of course, and it had one of the longest run times. It's an hour and 40 minutes, which is long for I'm a Friday I'm trying movie. to decide if you can... Oh, God, that's what she said. I was going to say, <laughs> I'm trying to decide if you can feel that length. <laughs> That's what she said? Okay. You can feel that length. <laughs> so, well, apparently the audience that watched it and rated it could feel the length and were not impressed. It was 4.5 out of 10 on IMDb, 12% on Rotten Tomatoes, and 14% on Metacritic. So, not well received at all. I get it. I do. And I, you know, we've gone and we've watched reviews that, like, you know, we we do that traditionally before we're in cover a movie. We watch the movie, we watch the reviews, and I'm not surprised people have not been kind. I'll just say right now that Dr. Wolfiela broke my heart with his review, but, you know, what can you do? It's not, it's not a great movie, but I still love it. I can't, I can't help it. Yeah. I, unfortunately for me, this does not fall into the same category as other movies do when I say, well, it's not good, but at least it's fun. This one's not fun. (laughs) There, it's just not, there's no characters that I get attached to. I really don't care about anybody in here. 90% of them are disposable. Like from the very beginning, they are disposable. Again, I really only care about Kane Hodder. (laughs) Well, I mean, that, that's really would be the only reason to watch this movie for me. Oh, well, that and Kelly who? Yes. not even gonna try that's all i'm gonna say about that <laughs> but yeah it was directed by rob hedden and music by fred moline i think it's mullen mullen yeah uh yeah and you could tell that uh don mancini had nothing to do with this <laughs> oh my God. i'm getting the name wrong again on purpose <laughs> i know you are you're just fucking with me <laughs> yeah no you can manfredini was completely absent from this film right uh yeah because it's just songs like i guess you the big what? one was darkest side of the night which i'm not bagging on the song i love that song i'm not saying it's a bad song i love that song I, you love the song and I i'm love not saying it. it's a bad song i love it do you love it i love it 
but it's on my phone. <laughs> it just felt weird not having any semblance of the typical Friday the Thirteenth well, music. Well, they do have the kill, 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 ma, ma, ma thing at you know in there, but um, he also scored part seven, and so you can kind of you can tell that those scores are similar. It's just not as severe in this one like it was in seven. You know, dun, 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 yeah, dun. it's very subdued. It didn't stand out enough for me to really even notice it. Right. So anyway, cast wise, Jensen Daggett plays our title character, Rennie. Mm-hmm. And Scott Reeves plays Sean Robbins Robertson. Now, I knew Scott he... Reeves. I grew up with Scott Reeves, okay? And not just from this film. My mother was a longtime watcher of The Young and the Restless. He was he played a long-running character in that in that soap. So, I Was his acting better him. in that soap? Uh, I honestly I don't recall, but Yeah. So, when I found out that he was actually a replacement for the original uh, Sean that had been cast because his acting was superior. My first thought was, how bad was that first guy? It, he was pretty bad. It was that bad? It, you saw the footage. We've well, seen the but, scene. I don't know. They seemed neck and neck to me. Do what I say if you want to get off the ship alive. Let's get to the lifeboats. Well, that's pretty much how Sean deli- or Scott <laughs> delivered that line, too. Anyway, uh, Tim Merkovic is uh, young Jason because we get to see young Jason a lot in this one. Yes, and I believe he's the editor's son. Yeah, except that in this one, um, there's no hydrocephalic Jason as a child. There- is but oh man but he starts off completely we'll normal and then it's sort of yeah turns into that through the course of the movie it's yeah, really bizarre how they is. handled that yeah but peter mark rickman plays charles mccullough uncle charles charles wants to be in charge <laughs> um he's pretty much dick through the whole movie but the guy his first film was in 1953 so the dude had been an actor for a long time yeah sadly he passed away last year but uh yeah huge huge body of work from him most of it was television but guy had been around for a long time we've got todd caldicott plays jim Barbara Bingham plays Colleen Van Dusen. She's the teacher that uh, that talks Rennie into getting on this boat. Alex Dyken plays the deckhand, also known as the Doomsayer. He is the crazy Ralph God. replacement. God, okay, and yeah. he's pretty awful. He's yeah. So Kane Hodder, of course, plays Jason, and I got a great amount of satisfaction out of him killing Ken Kersinger. <laughs> Like, I'm so sure we'll talk about did that. I. But I thought, yeah, take that bitch. That pretty well covers most of the characters that have, are of importance, I guess. Like I said, most of the cast is disposable. The only other, you already saw, talked about uh, Kelly Who, who I guess is probably one of her first films. I, I believe Very, it is very her early first. in her career. Because um, she's really not on screen much, and she only has like a couple of, of lines that she actually speaks. And her death is less than stellar, at least on screen. The story behind it that we'll discuss I is better than the actual. Who actually, that's one of their favorite deaths in the movie. See, I find the story behind that death better than what you actually get in the movie. Right. But anyway, Vincent Craig Dupree played Julius, and he actually has a pretty decent role in this. Not a ton of screen time, but what he did get, I kind of enjoyed. We'll talk about that when we get there. That pretty much does it. There's not, I don't know, there's like 28 actors and actresses in this, and most of them we didn't need. (laughs) And I know it sounds like I'm being shitty, but... We we start off with like, what, a class of 100? Yes, there's supposed to be like 80 to 100 kids on this damn boat. And by the time you get to New York, there's only like five of them left. And we don't have any fucking idea what happened to the other 75. Right. So. There's only like maybe five characters that are even relevant to the story. Right. I mean, I'm using relevant loosely. Right. Air quotes. Yes. Relevant. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, when they, when you see them at the very beginning of the movie and they're all on the boat, like this is a huge class of graduating seniors that are all going, 
on their senior trip. That's the whole idea. That's the reason they're going to Vancouver, New York, sorry, (laughs) (laughs) on Bubba Gum's boat. But they all just disappeared. Did Jason get them all? Did they fall overboard? Did they get off the boat too soon, like at the wrong stop? I'm guessing he picked them off one by one. That's, so, that's all I can come up with. I mean, if you, if you consider that he killed all of those kids that are not on the boat anymore by the time they make it to New York, this movie's got the biggest body count of any Friday the 13th out there. Should be. Because, I mean, at that point, he's killed, like, between 80 and 100 people. Not and, to and mention no one noticed the deck, it. or not, like, the deckhand guy, and or whatever you call him, and then the captain, and the, what did you call him, first mate? Yeah, I think I so. I called him he's, a sous captain. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, sous chef, because yeah. I couldn't, I, I'm stupid. Yeah, no, he's the, I think he would be the first mate, because he was, like, the second in command. Yeah. Or whatever. But also... Did they crew this giant boat with only three people? Because that's all you ever see. I'm guessing. They're gonna, all these kids just making their own peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or something down in the galley. Because, like, there's a big kitchen. We get to see it at some point. That's true. I have that. Where's the rest of, of the crew for this boat? Yeah. Ship. Sorry. If it's that big, it's got to be a ship. But I, all these people just disappear. And the, the most impressive thing is that Kay and Hodder, as Jason, managed to make all these fuckers disappear. And no one noticed. At no point does it ever come up during the course of this film that, holy shit, half the kids that were on this boat are just gone now. You know what? I would ask what I normally ask other people. Why do you have to bring logic into this? <laughs> but I probably shouldn't. You're not, I mean, you're not telling any lies. <laughs> this movie just has problems. Okay? It does. It's just got, it's got some problems. It does. Okay, so I guess to just, at the, from the beginning of the movie, I'll start with the intro. This intro, um, you get whatever it is, that song, Something of the Night. <laughs> Something of the Night. Yeah. That sounds like it slaps. Yeah. <laughs> And the intro has absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with Friday the 13th. It has nothing to do with Jason. It's got nothing to do with Camp Crystal Lake or New Jersey or anything that has happened in the series up to this point. It's just shots of New York. And they dwell dwell on, yeah, the city and these guys doing drugs for a long time. A very long time. Like, I don't don't understand why they felt like they needed to hang on that shot for so long. You could probably have fit a shorter Friday the 13th film in the span of how long they stayed on those two characters. You probably could. Just making, I guess, heroin was what they were doing. Well, one of them was cooking his up in a spoon and the other one was shooting it up in his arm. Yeah. But I just don't understand. They're basically saying, look in New York, it's full of rats and drugs and the subway and cheap diners but look I, at it i think my point is is that look if at you, it. you watch the opening credits of this movie and you still have no idea what fucking movie you're watching like uh, th- i mean that's fair you, you just it doesn't explain but anything you, it doesn't set it up at all would you have rather have had another previously on friday the 13th uh, if i was gonna have to trade this one for something else yes Wow. I think I would have taken another recappy montage. Even give me a voiceover with Crazy Ralph uh, as opposed to this. Okay. Because at least then it's relevant to the series. And then from this completely disjointed opening, we go to a boat in Camp Crystal Lake. Which exists again. Did you notice? Yeah. Well, they have a big <laughs> light up sign now in front of the camp that wasn't there in the last movie, but was in the movie before. But in the la- in part seven, the house exploded, but there was still the one next door. So I guess they tore it down and rebuilt the camp and put a light up sign out front. So I'm starting to wonder, like, apart from the Tommy Jarvis trilogy, if one film has nothing to do with the other film, if it's just like a kind of like Halloween and being a choose your own adventure type of scenario. Right, right. So it's like there's a character of Jason, but nothing has anything to do with the movies that come before or after. Like they they just retcon everything that came before. So why don't they just call this Friday the 13th, The Amazing Adventures of Jason Voorhees? <laughs> hey, I'd watch that. 
Yeah. Especially if they were amazing. Butch and Sundance, the early years. <laughs> it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense. So they've got this boat and you know, they're gonna get down, so it's it's time to throw out the anchor. So he goes and drops the anchor and it hangs this giant uh You're leaving out elect- fine ass Jimmy. Sorry, it's one of my Friday the 13th boyfriends. What did they call him in Wham? Jared Leto? Jared Leto. He's not look like Jared Leto. <laughs> he does Leto. not look like him at no, all. No, he um, is far more attractive than Jared Leto. But yeah, he goes to drop anchor right in front of the camp. And there's this massive electrical cable running along the bottom of the lake that runs right next to Jason Voorhees yeah. in the collapsed dock. So my question is, who's the blind motherfucker that went down there and ran <laughs> that cable and didn't see a body sticking out from under that collapsed dock? I don't know. Maybe they worked for the city. Like they were like, dead body. Miss New Jersey. Fuck it. Let's just keep going. I mean, if, if we it leave were it Texas, down, I wouldn't be surprised. If we just leave it down here, we don't have to do all the paperwork. Shh. <laughs> right. And the other one is, where's Dirty Face Daddy? Dirty Face Daddy in part seven should be right down there next to him. He floated away. How? He chained <laughs> himself so to Jason Voorhees and hauled him down there. I don't know. He just... This is just full of irresponsibility. He, just... he disappeared like Cochran in part three. He just... He just, like, disappeared. <laughs> He just, yeah, like the whole opening to this just doesn't work for me at all. And then after he drops anchor, he goes back inside, sort of. But I just realized he I scares said, the girlfriend and he's got his authentic movie correct battle damage Jason mask. That's supposed to be a brand new mask, but it's got the axe wound on it already. I'm about to point out a mistake. Will you let me point out a mistake? Do it. I'm ready. I mean, I know you like hearing your own voice. You I know. do. Because everybody's told you how wonderful it is. No, it's not me. It's everyone else. They like hearing my voice. <laughs> I just realized that I said Cochran from part three. In the, like Johnny Cochran? Like, no. Like, like Connell Wrong Cochran. Murder. Wrong franchise. That's the problem. I said it like it was part three of this movie. And it's totally Halloween three. Oh, man. I've, uh... I'm having a margarita this evening. That was probably a mistake. Yeah, I think so. The world is in shambles right now. I'm allowed a margarita. Yeah, you are. <laughs> but, yeah, okay, so that's number one. Where did the kid get the, the hockey mask that has all the scars on it from the previous films? I don't know. Clearly, he went to some kind of horror memorabilia shop. He went shop. to Party City. Right. And picked it up there. And said, I want the official licensed Jason Voorhees mask complete with axe damage from part three. Correct. Like, no, it's got to have the Chris Higgins slash well, in now, it, otherwise it had, it's not authentic. But it had the axe damage, but it did not have the bullet holes. So why did they include the axe mark if they didn't include the bullet holes? I don't Because didn't it have like three bullet holes in it on one side? I could. Don't put me on Aren't the spot. Aren't you the fan? Don't put me on the spot. Anyway. So he scares his girlfriend with it and he's like, let's get busy. <laughs> Motherfucker ain't getting laid after that. If it were me, like, hell no. He just scared the hell out of her. You go She's bo- not gonna sleep grab your bottle of Jurgens and your box of tissues, and I'll see you on the other side, motherfucker. He's gonna be singing the "I'm All Alone" song, <laughs> like Donkey and Shrek, <laughs> or the the shower song in uh, "All by Myself." All by myself. Yeah. What movie was that? <laughs> that was Half Baked. There you go. Anyway, no, it was the guy in the last movie that had a date with soap on a rope. Never mind. Right. But anyway, so they did. And I just, I'm not impressed with this. So they have, they Frankenstein Jason back to life again. Obviously right. the anchor drags on the cable and it electrocutes him. Cause of course it did. And he How are we going to bring him back? Well, I don't know what those guys do in part six. Let's just do that. Yeah. Same thing. Same thing. We're going to go back to formula. That's the formula now. Electrocute him. He'll come back. And then he, he climbs up the anchor line like a fucking commando. And what? He shoots dipshit with a... Can I get a commando film with Jason in the place of Arnold? Even though I love Arnold. We need Jason versus Arnold. Commando versus commando Jason. You're getting way off topic. Yeah. Um, I- <laughs> 
But he comes on board and he, he what? He kills the boyfriend mm-hmm. and then she goes and hides in a thing. And now he see, walks up there and gives her the slowest stab ever. I was going to say, now see, when I was a kid, I remember that scene being a lot more graphic. And apparently I'm not the only one. I'm starting to wonder if this is a, a, is a Mandela effect thing. Because I swear to God, when I was a kid, when he shoots that spear into Jimmy and rips it out, he's holding on to his guts. Like, I remember, like, sitting there as a kid thinking, oh my God, he pulled out his liver, you know, and like being scared shitless. And then, you know, as an adult, you see, oh no, it's actually the rubber bands or whatever from the spear gun. But I swear to God, as a kid, he pulled out something other than just blood. It's, it's, am I, like am I alone in this, guys? You are. It's looked like that every time I've seen it. Okay, then the Mandel effect doesn't affect everyone, just certain special individuals. Okay. Well, I'm glad that you've acknowledged that you are special. I am special. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like the, the, He's never stabbed anyone that slowly before, ever. And she do doesn't it. try to scramble and get I'm away. I'm going to do it. He's just like feeding a toddler. Here comes the airplane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, what the fuck? You know what I really love is there's a deleted scene. And I'm guessing the actress wasn't there, but they had a shot where it was him coming to stab her. Only he's wearing this giant, like, looks like glow-in-the-dark strap on. <laughs> oh, man. Like... I, say what you will about the film. It looked like they had fun on set. Yeah. So that that would have made me laugh my entire ass off. Well, so something that we got from uh, Crystal Lake Memories and, and some of the other stuff that we watched in preparation for this was that and Kane Hodder brought a lot to the set of the, the first film just through his own his dedication to being a stuntman and bringing the character of Jason to life. Right. In this one, it seems like he brought more to the set than just dedication to the making of the film. Yeah, he brought a strap on. He he brought a strap on. <laughs> and but he brought comedy and and he was like disco dancing in between takes while he was wearing the costume. Like he tried to bring some levity to the set because right. I think it's pretty well universally acknowledged. Friday the 13th sets in in the filming is not easy. Mm-hmm. Like they're hard as fuck on their actors and actresses every time. So I think it's interesting that he he was he didn't just bring Jason. He's trying to bring morale right. this time around. Mm-hmm. I told so, you I respect the fuck it, out of Kane Hodder as a person. It just says a hell of a lot for him. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so I guess he just stays on the boat until it crosses Crystal Lake and makes it to a port that's connected somehow to the Atlantic Ocean. Because how did that happen? Well, they're not not clear about it. Because the next thing you see is when this uh, ship is taking off on its voyage. It's just we see Jason on the side of the boat climbing up into it. You see the the deckhand, uh, the, the you're all doomed, that guy is standing on deck of the Bubba Gump boat. And he sees... The, the ship that yeah, the boy yeah, and girl the ship on, does come up like, there. Ghost ship its way across, and the yeah. next thing, yeah, Jason Commando crawling his I, way up an anchor chain. I Again. guess he did. I guess he hitched a ride. Like he was just out for a cruise, I guess. <laughs> it's like he's sitting on deck drinking champagne. Like, I just killed these motherfuckers and took their boat. But anyway. I always wanted a boat. <laughs> yeah, and so that's the first thing that Discount Crazy Ralph tells someone is this voyage is doomed. It's doomed. He even tries to say it the same way. Fuck that guy. What kills me is that he just stayed on the boat. Like, they haven't taken off yet. He's telling him it's all doomed and he just stayed on there. I mean, do what you have to for money, I guess. Yeah. But at this point, you know, we get introduced to Rennie and the teacher and her Uncle Charles. Mm-hmm. Let me just point out, Uncle Charles is an asshat from the very beginning. He has moments that I enjoy, and I will say that later on I did feel some sympathy for his character. Don't at me. Okay, I'm not going to at you, but I will tell you that in this very first part of the film, I was greatly offended. (laughs) You were offended? I was offended. (laughs) 
I was deeply offended because Miss Teacher presents Rennie with a pen that was used by Stephen King. How dare you put that man's name in this shit movie? You can't soil his good name by putting him in a Friday the 13th. I thought you said you were going to be nice. This is nice. (laughs) You're getting all jacked up on Mountain Dew here. (laughs) Yeah. I just think it's cheesy that they threw his name in there. I don't know. I don't know why that bugged me. It's like, he has nothing to do with this franchise, and I get it that you're trying to be cool, but... Because we're huge Stephen King fans. Why do you... Don't drag him into this. He actually does good stuff. Keep my wife's name. (laughs) Yeah. Keep my favorite writer's name out your motherfucking mouth. That's... Anyway. So we get them all piled on board, and in that long shot, you can see that there seriously are. There's probably close to 100 kids on this boat. Uncle Charles doesn't want her to go because she can't swim or something. Yeah, I have a problem. He's basically all about her not being able to make her own choices. Gee. Which seems particularly relevant at this point in time. You don't? Yeah, I can't imagine We're why. not getting into that. But, but I don't know that I'm a huge fan of that storyline, just because I don't feel like ultimately there's any payoff to it. No, and I, so that's something I never did understand, is that she had the, when he was trying to teach her how to swim, I know that happens later in the film, but I guess we can go ahead and talk about it now. He basically throws her out of the canoe mm-hmm. into Crystal Lake, and Jason grabs her, like, child Jason. Not grown-ass man Jason. Child, totally normal face Jason tries to pull her under when she's Oh, no, she's no, no. This was deformed Jason. It's just... But... They didn't They didn't do anything with, with it. So my, my problem, and I feel like from a writing standpoint, if they wanted to take this even a little bit seriously, if her giant fear is water, shouldn't her way of overcoming that fear have to result in the way she takes Jason out? I mean, you would think... If that's her big character arc, she's got to overcome that fear in order to defeat Jason. But, yeah, but not... Like nobody to, thought of that. Not to skip to the end, but I don't feel like she did. All, she never overcame that fear. She didn't. All that resulted from it was she had a repressed memory come back and then go, Uncle Charles, you were bad. And yeah. that's it. Pretty much. So, yeah, just... Ugh. At any rate, we, we get on the boat and they get underway because Crystal Lake is connected to this port, which is connected <laughs> to the Atlantic Ocean. And it's never said anything about that in any movie in the series up to this point. The so knee bone's connected to the leg bone? Apparently. <laughs> yeah. So there's a river big enough the thing to that- get that cruise ship. Like, I don't know. The thing that annoys me, and and I'm going to sound like a hypocrite throughout this episode, so just fair warning here. The problem that I have here is lazy writing, right? Because this question was brought up during the writing process, and they were like, well, how are we going to fix that? And they were like, nah, these guys can suspend disbelief. Okay, I can, but if you acknowledge straight away that this is a problem, seems like you would try to correct it before you began shooting. You know, I think we've talked about that in other films that we've covered, is that sometimes I think it's just lazy filmmaking because it's like the editor had to have seen this. Somebody somewhere watching the dailies, doing whatever they did, had to say, see it or read the script and go, this really isn't good. Why didn't they fucking fix it? The dollar? Money, 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 money. Thank you, Mr. Krabs. <laughs> I'm here all week. But at any rate, as soon as the boat sets off, he starts killing people. And the first one to go is Guitar Girl, right? Right. Like, she's filming her little fake music video up there, and... That girl was shredding. You just stop. She was lip-syncing. She was Millie She Vanilli. wasn't singing. She was just playing the guitar. I don't think she was really playing guitar. She hit play on a on a cassette player. I think she was faking it. You know what? How many times have you air guitared to Metallica? We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> How many times were you fucking getting your Eddie Munson on? Oh, right. <laughs> Yeah, but he was good. Yeah. That was impressive. Anyway. That's true. 
So and it's 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 a disappointing kill because all he does is clever with her guitar. Like she goes down into the engine room, she's like, "It's killer acoustics, man!" And Jason just shows up and hits her with her own guitar. Yeah. And, and the MPAA must have just fucked this movie over they completely because there's movie. really not much in it. Yeah. The kills are really not all that impressive. I mean, honestly, even if they hadn't nerfed it, what would it have looked like anyway? Because some they're pretty basic right. for the most part. And we also get introduced to the character of Wayne here, who. It's, it's more it's more teen drama bullshit. He's apparently obsessed with uh, it girl Tamara and is basically doing her little minion bidding and recording things for her and whatnot. And I don't care again. I don't. Well, she's not a likable character, but she's not supposed to be. Right. He is not a likable character, but I think you're supposed to sympathize with him, but you don't get enough about him to care. I don't. That's, that's the problem. is, And that's throughout the whole movie. You don't really get enough information or backstory on any of these people to give a shit about whether they make it or not. I mean, at the end of the day, I just want to see all the creative and awesome ways that Kane Hodder found to murder these people. Right. That's all I'm looking for at that point. But We didn't even get that. We really didn't. <laughs> but um, sort of some, some extra characters we do get introduced to the captain of the ship that we find out is What's-His-Butt's dad. Sean's dad. Sean's dad. Yeah. Um, and his dad apparently wants him to be a shrimp boat captain, <laughs> but he doesn't want to be a shrimp boat captain. And then he puts him on the spot in front of his friend and the first mate, and he's like, take us out. And he, I don't know, maybe the kid didn't know what to do, but he embarrassed him. Mm-hmm. So then they, they sort of part ways. And that's the only time you really see them interact in the whole film. Uh, the next time you see those two together, dad's dead. So th- that was he just got cut with the dull side of a machete and didn't bleed really and didn't bleed at yeah. all. So that's just another one of those things. Like, did they put it in there just to add some runtime to it? Because that reaction served no purpose whatsoever. Like at no point was he off complaining. <laughs> well, I, take I, that I back. get it. He does get a scene where he complains about his daddy issues for a minute. Well, it's not just that. It's that at the point where all hell is broken loose and there's really, I mean, as much as the teacher guy wants to be authority of the ship, he knows nothing about it ultimately. And Sean, whether he sucks at it or not, at the end of the day, he's the only one with any kind of knowledge. Sean does kind of have to assume leadership. So I think that's why that that thread was set up. Well, I get that. I just feel like they could have done it differently. Because the whole, because what sticks in my mind from that that interaction between the two is that he's not the son that his father wants him to be. His dad's disappointed. No, <laughs> and like there's there's tension there, right? What his mm-hmm. dad wants him to be, and and probably he doesn't want to be that. He wants to be something else. And I probably just imagined all that shit in my head because it doesn't no, I really. Think that's what it's trying to convey. It doesn't really flesh any of that out. And we have a. <laughs> he's gone full Chewbacca in there. <laughs> Please stand by for station identification. <laughs> and we're back. The two and a half pound Yorkie has saved the world from a cat outside and we're all safe again. I thought he was just barking at leaves again. It probably was. <laughs> but in his mind, it was a vicious animal that was coming to kill us It was us all. Godzilla. Yeah. It was. And he just saved us. He's very proud. But uh, no, much like part seven, this is just another one that's just more teen drama bullshit that I give no fucks about. The one thing that sticks out to me, though, and that's that the character of Tamara has a biology project that is due. And she decides that she's going to take it upon herself to draw the organs anatomically. Or what's the word I'm looking for? Well, she just sort of colored on herself with makeup i mean she got i mean she did a good job she only labeled like three parts the organs looked good and then she had some arrows pointing down (laughs) towards her vajay but i love the teacher's reaction to it (laughs) 
Well, so we kind of we got to talk. The back, there's backstory to this: is that she didn't finish her biology project, and he's telling her she's not gonna let her off the boat, right? Until she finishes it. So he comes to her cabin because allegedly she's finished it, but now she's in her underwear with uh, cave paintings on herself. I just love that this is supposed to be a hard ass here. He's like, Mister, you better do what I say when I say it, and all that. And it takes one scantily clad girl to make him go, Hey, stop that. <laughs> I'm your teacher, young lady. Yeah, he says that she lowers him to the bed, which they don't have sex. She just kisses him, which... He lets that go he on. He lets that happen. Uncomfortably long. He he just goes with it, <laughs> even though, hey, stop. And I believe it's only until Wayne is re- be- being revealed to be filming them, then he stops. Yeah, so basically that's the whole thing, is that she was she's blackmailing him with yeah. this videotape. But that part cracks me up so bad, and I know that how you feel about this movie, but that part legitimately gets a giggle out of me every time. That is, it's actually, that is funny. That is a funny part, but... There, there's just there's a lot of other stuff that kind of happens in the interim there. Is um, there? We get, we get Well, we get introduced to Fight Club, and the first rule of Fight Club is apparently everybody on the fucking boat knows about Fight Club because uh, Julius is down there beating the shit out of some guy that we've never seen before who later gets a, a, a sauna, sauna rock. rock stuffed in his stomach, but the hole is in his chest when they back away because, yeah. I mean, isn't that's that the reaction everybody has to eating Taco Bell? Pretty much. But then he, like, catches fire? While Jason's sticking it in him, I don't. That sounds bad when I say while Jason's sticking it in him. While Jason is, it, I'm tra- okay. While he's stuffing a burning rock in his stomach. He was stuffing him. I started to say while he's sticking it in. But like you see him clearly like pushing the rock through like where his navel is. And then when it backs away and the guy's dead, there's a hole like in his sternum. Yeah. Or just below. So that's just more of that lazy oh, fuck shit. It. They'll, they'll suspend disbelief. Um, at some point there, you get to see uh, Tam- Tamra and Scorpion King Girl. Kelly who? Yeah. I don't remember what her name was. Eva. Eva. Uh, doing, doing cocaine. Doing cocaine on a boat. Yeah, I mean, it was the 80s. What do it you was. Want? That's about it. I mean... I said, we don't, I mean, there is a scene where Rennie catches Tamara. Tamara. <laughs> now I'm getting to be as bad as you. She catches Tamara and Eva doing said coke. And Rennie doesn't strike me as the type that she's going to tell on them. But for some reason, Tamara gets it in her head that she's going to snitch on them. So then she decides that she's afraid of water. So we're just going to push her in. And that's basically all that comes of that. Well, I mean, the teacher throws out one of those, the round life preserver donuts. She makes no attempt to grab it. So what, uh, Scott, Sean, forehead. Scott, Sean. He jumps in. Scott, Sean, forehead. (laughs) Yeah. He jumps in and saves her, sort of. Yeah, and then the teacher guy's pissed off at him for saving her. Yeah, well, and it's the teacher's fault. I don't I don't understand that. So there's really nothing beyond that. You're just setting up the archetypes, who we're supposed to like, who we're supposed to hate. But at the end of the day, you don't like anybody. Even well, even Rennie, she's bland as she really a final, is. final girl. She, she didn't, really is. I realize that she's supposed to have... She's like a baked potato with nothing on it. <laughs> I realize no that No butter, she... no sour cream. <laughs> okay, fine. You told me to talk? You want to talk? Go ahead. I realize that she's supposed to have some kind of character arc and we're supposed to sympathize with her, but I just don't. She's she's spending most of the time going through the ship, having these hallucinations of young Jason looking normal, not looking normal, standing and just kind of Ricky bobbying with his hands... I don't yeah, and I understand what that was. I didn't understand the choice of him beginning with no deformities, right? Even though in the very first movie, 
he's supposed to have some form of, of deformity on his face. And then he gradually becomes more deformed to, as we get to the end of the movie. Right. It's like, was being underwater what did that to him? Is that what they're trying to imply? Because that it was, just doesn't make sense with anything else. Yeah, that was something very cleverly pointed out by Dr. Wolfiela in his review of the film. That It's like they're making it look like the water is what caused this condition. And he's right. Because that's really how they make it look. And it makes no fucking sense whatsoever. Right. And then, I mean, to jump forward just a little to the end, then they're going to imply that it got reversed yeah i, I we'll, don't know we'll get to that one <laughs> i don't know make it make sense i can't but i mean at some point we get to the deckhand and he says he's coming back and you're all going to die and i wonder did he do some cocaine too maybe but jason kind of just works his way through everyone yeah he kills the captain um he kills the first mate by stabbing him in the <laughs> butt with a spear i don't know like the angle that the angle that jason has the spear at he's aiming right in his ass and, but the angle that the uh, first mate is arching his back at, it should be like in the middle of his back. So they clearly didn't line that shot up very well. But they they die, and then we find out that Jason teleports. Now, well, and they think they think that the uh, deckhand or again whatever he is, they think he's the one committing the murders. They're convinced of it until he ends up dead himself. Right. But I mean, at some point, Jason begins to. Well, I would say he's he's been sort of making himself known throughout this this thing. It's just that anyone who sees him dies because, like I was saying, this is this is where we really get Jason teleportation. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot because at the point where Kelly Who dies um, in the little disco area, she's so like which standing do you on the want dance to talk floor. About first, and I'm um, to finish this. <laughs> <laughs> and every time she turns and looks a different direction, there he is. Right. And okay, so just to kind of finish that thought, her kill was anticlimactic. I it was it's kind of boring. He picks her up, he chokes her, and throws her down. The backstory to that though is he really picked her up by the head. Or by mm-hmm. the neck. And apparently told her, like, look, when I drop you, you're supposed to be dead. You can't break your fall. I'm just going to throw you down. And she just did it. Like, she just wet noodled to the ground. And that's impressive on both parts. It really is. Like, she just took that hit like a champ. And seems the fact like that, that he could hurt. pick up a human by the neck like that is pretty impressive, too. It seems like both of those things would have hurt a lot. I'm going to give Kane Hodder my phone number. Is that okay? <laughs> good with that? No. <laughs> But no, it's, yeah, I, I like the story behind that too. And he has lots of stories that are like that. of Just trying to make the scene as good as it can possibly be. At the end of the day, it's not his fault. Uh, the writing's not his fault. It's not the, it's not his fault he's in shitty movies. But like we were saying, he absolutely tries to bring the best Jason he can to do those lame kills. <laughs> right. But... I mean, he pretty, who's who's left now? You've got Rennie. You've got Sean. Well, so the, I think what you're thinking about is the next... Because uh, he does kill one of Sean's friends by... He, he does. By um When he teleports impaling up, the, him. up the ladder. Right. But the really effective death, I think, that causes everything to get set into motion is the killing of Wayne. He throws him... What is the thing he throws him on? Like some kind of circuit board or control right. board or yeah, whatever. It, it's... Uh, Part of the critical infrastructure of the ship, and it catches fire. Right. Which causes the ship to begin to sink. Yes. Well, I guess it causes a fire and then an explosion and then. And so, so they go they, into a full-on Titanic mode. Right. And everybody has to get to the lifeboat. And then we and then we paddle to New York. Right. And now we're here, but there's only like 12 minutes of movie left. <laughs> so 
I mean, at some point, Jason catches up to him, right? And you see him come climbing up onto the dock. And one of the things I find interesting is that in the original script, he was supposed to climb out of the water and there's a dog barking and he kicks the dog. And Kane Hodder said, no, I will not kick the dog, which just makes you like Kane Hodder a little more. Some of the problems that I've heard are not problems, complaints, rather the little bit where Jason crawls out of the water, which again, we're not even addressing. How the fuck did he swim all the way from the ship to New York? Um, My complaint would be if he can teleport, why didn't he just teleport from the boat to the dock? I mean, why get in the water at all? (laughs) It's true. I don't know. I kind of like the bit with the billboard. I think it's, I mean, Sure, it's corny, but I think it's cute. At the end of the day, it's kind of one of those, aww, because he does a little head tilt and stuff. I don't know. I think it's cute. I'm alone, I guess. No, I don't have a problem with it at all. But... I mean, hockey's a thing there. It's not a thing here because it's 106 degrees, (laughs) what, 10 months out of the year, so... I mean, we do have the stars. We do. (laughs) We do, which we'll talk about that later. Because he full-on body checks somebody in the subway. But why don't we go ahead and just talk about the big pink elephant in the room, which is the teleporting thing. So, again, I watched this when I was a little kid. You couldn't bring logic to me as a six-year-old. I don't... What is logic? So the fact that it didn't matter where you were, Jason was there. You can run, and then Jason's immediately at your destination. I found that terrifying. Like, the scene where Charles runs into a building to hide, and then the next thing you know, he's coming flying out of a window because Jason somehow magically ended up there, or the one kid who crawls or climbs up the ladder and then Jason's already at the top. I found that scary. Yeah, I don't, I, the teleportation doesn't take anything away for me. The thing that I don't understand is this. It apparently angers many, but let's kind of recap here. When he was a boy, <laughs> he died, but he didn't die. Or did he? And I guess he witnessed his mother's death. So he comes back from a death, potentially. They, they say he was still human there. Gets killed, comes back. Gets killed, comes back. Gets killed, Frankenstein back. Apparently was cremated, comes back. (laughs) Right? Right. Gets dragged to the bottom of Crystal Lake, suspended there, only to be electrocuted two more times, and brought back. Yes. Well, psychically brought back once. Psychically (laughs) brought back by Carrie White. He's getting scary eyes here, people. I'm I'm a little... (laughs) Come on, guys. This is a work of fiction. Again, happened to be in a group where watching it as a small child, I thought it was scary. So, yes, as an adult now, I can be like, oh, come on. Come on. And you can acknowledge the fact that it's, again, another case of lazy writing. But you know what? Just the idea of him being able to teleport does make him a little scarier. Yes, absolutely. Because that explains why you can't get away. Like, you can run as fast as you want. You're not going to get away. Because wherever you run to, he's going to be there. Or it's super annoying in the vein of Mortal Kombat where the person you're playing against keeps teleporting and spamming the shit out of you. (laughs) I'm sorry. But yes. (laughs) (laughs) But yes. I I don't know. I don't think it it takes away from the character at all. I don't either. I don't either. So, at some point, I don't know why they do the thing that all stupid people do in horror movies. They decide that they're going to split up so they can have their own adventures. And I think Julius is trying to find a payphone. He's trying to find a payphone for help. And then, of course, runs into Jason. And this leads to arguably my favorite scene of the movie and my favorite kill of the movie. Yeah, there's a very short chase scene and they end up on a rooftop. And again, I think the backstory to this is so much better than the reality of it. Although I will say the kill, the kill is one of the better ones. 
Like this it's is one the that I best remember. One. This is kind of up there with the sleeping bag kill. I was going to say because this is it's this, one that stands out that yeah, you, you remember. This is one I put in a highlight reel for sure. It's really cool. I mean, even though you know you can find out all the bag stuff to this, like Kane Hodder was in fact wearing padding, but there can't be that much to the hockey mask. Dude was still getting punched in the face repeatedly, and even though he's wearing padding, he's still getting punched in the gut repeatedly, and he. You know, he's like, I want to make it authentic. I want to make it look good. So he told VC Dupree, he's like, give it all you've got. Like, don't pull your punches. Like, I want it to look good. So VC Dupree or Julius is just wailing on him. And what I'd say, okay, maybe it doesn't rival the fight scene and they live, but it's... Still better than Buster Rhymes fighting Michael Myers. <laughs> but in terms of length, that scene goes on for a while of him just wailing on him to the point where Julius raises up his bloody knuckles. That's completely authentic. And yeah, I give was, that guy all the respect in the world for that. He really wailed on Kane Hodder until he didn't have any skin left on his knuckles. Right. They were swollen. They were bloody. That's, like, that's dedication on both parts. Yeah. For, for the longest time, I thought that was makeup until I heard it from his mouth. No, that was completely real. And I'm like, look at you. Yeah. Like, shit. That, that's just amazing. And then, of course, Kane Hodder taking all this punishment had built up such a an anger and annoyance from being hit on that long that by the time he got time for him to punch the head off the dummy he was like fuck this dummy <laughs> so he, he absolutely he just mike tyson punch out that sucker like head right he off. got some yonder on it he he did <laughs> he did he threw like a good right cross there and nick took the head right off but i like it and then adding insult to injury by landing in the garbage <laughs> and then the lid closes on it yeah but meanwhile, uh, Rennie gets abducted, sort of. She's walking with what, Charles and Sean? And, uh, teacher lady. Teacher lady. And a couple of hoodlums come up and one of them's got a gun and they take her and they're about to have their way with her and shoot her full of heroin, I guess. Uh, but Jason ain't all about that rape life. So he no. shows up and kills them both. <laughs> yeah. Cue, and, I'm holding out for a hero. Cause... <laughs> yeah. It's just that was probably not the hero she was looking for. <laughs> But it's the one she what got. What was Sean Forehead going to do? It's not the hero Gotham needs, but it's the one they got. Um, and he stuffs a hypodermic needle all the way through Mr. Wannabe Rapist. It's not a great kill. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I know you didn't mind it as much. It could have been a lot better. I don't understand the wiggling of the knife. That means that like his entire... Or I'm not knife needle. That means that he had turned that dude into a hand puppet. His whole hand would have had to have been inside the guy's back. And I would have rather seen that, honestly. But Or he could have like done the scorpion thing where he rips his spine out and the skull's still attached. That would have been badass. That would have been awesome. Yeah. Like Predator. Yeah. Yeah. Why can't Jason do that? Well, he could do that. They just got I mean, shitty writers that don't have that kind of imagination. Right. Paramount doesn't have the budget for that. <laughs> well, they don't have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so he kills both of them and she gets away, but now she's drugged up. And I think maybe rooftop fight and this were sort of happening simultaneously. I think so. I think so. Because at some point she runs into Sean. They catch back up with Charles. They catch back up with Teacher Lady. They find a cop. Mm-hmm. And he's like going to radio for help. And then we, they find Julius's head inside the squad car when they get in to leave. Right. And then Jason is standing there in the alleyway. And there is a, a stunt where Ken Kersinger is playing the part of Jason. And so because Kane Hodder didn't have any problem getting hit by a car, he's like, sure, I'll do it. And they're like, no, you can't do it because you're our Jason. We need you. So they put Ken Kersinger in that role <laughs> so that he could be hit by a car. Well, let's be honest. If they had hit Kane Hodder with a car, the car would have just stopped. That's true. The car Kane would Hodder, have crushed. Kane Hodder probably would have been fine. <laughs> is Kane Hodder the new Chuck Norris? He is the God, new Chuck I Norris. hope so. 
But I mean, it's well, and that's later where the, he runs into Ken Kersinger again because they had to put him in this. But he was the stunt coordinator on this movie, right? Which I don't understand because Kane Hunter was a stunt coordinator. He could have done both. So, okay, I'm not trying to be a bitch. I'm not trying to relive Travis and Aiden's moment of talking shit about Corey Feldman, but I understand that Ken Kersinger probably really wanted this part and wanted the opportunity. And it's nothing against him. A job's a job, and the guy was just doing a job. And as Jason, he's fine. I didn't particularly care for lumbering zombie Jason that we got in Freddy vs. Jason, but the guy was fine at the end of the day. What I have a problem with is the fact that Kane Hodder was handed a script and told that part was his and he was excited because this is a film that was 15 fucking years in the making. Okay, see, I did not know that Kane was originally cast for that. Yes. That's some bullshit. Nothing yes. against Ken, but that's some bullshit. No, that part was his and... Upon hiring Ronnie Yu, which Ronnie Yu stated he had nothing to do with that recast. He was like, I'm here to direct a movie. I'm Paul. This is between y'all type of scenario. And from what I've gotten in the context, which I had a little bit of a bitch and not very nice statement for former big dog at New Line, it really sounded like it was his decision. And because he was saying, well, at the end of the day, you know, we needed a taller Jason. We needed a leaner Jason. I'm like, fuck you, dude. Like, do you have any idea what the role meant to the man? Like, I have a bitch about guys that will just take someone's job away from them. Well, you know, honestly, my I don't have anything against Ken Kersinger. It's not a personal thing. I just would have much rather seen Kane Hodder do that role. Because I think that personality-wise, he would have brought a lot more to it. Mm -hmm. I think you, let's be honest, Kane Hunter did kind of do a slow walking zombie thing, but the breathing and the head turning, there was just more nuance to his performance. Maybe that's it. He had a much more detailed approach to Jason as a character. And even if he wasn't as tall as Ken Kersinger, I think that the reaction that Kane Hodder could have provided as Jason to Robert Englund when they first come face to face would have been so much better. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? I think that just he could have sold that interaction because you've basically in this movie, in that movie, you have Robert England with all the personality and then a Jason that has none. Right. At all. Exactly. I mean, they said it exactly right in that film. You're just a big dumb dog that doesn't know when to stop eating. And that's all he was, just a big dumb dog. And Pretty I feel much. like Kane Hodder could have brought a lot more to the role. And, and giving it some more depth. So I don't mean to sound shitty. I don't mean to sound like I'm on a soapbox. It just broke my heart for him because he lived and breathed that role. And I think that's why he is as iconic in that part. When you think of Jason, you think of Kane Hodder. I mean, yes, everybody has their favorites. But more often than not, you say Jason, people think Kane Hodder. Yeah. And he, and like I said, Ken Kersinger pops up later. But this is where we're through the car crash, right? Jason kills Mr. Police Officer because he will never let let anyone in law enforcement survive. <laughs> if they come face to face, he's going to take them out. They all pile in the car and Rennie jumps behind the wheel and just drives it into a wall. Okay. So this is another thing I want to talk about. You're going to talk about the crash test dummies that were clearly in the backseat. <laughs> no, no. Um, there was an editing choice here. Um, I'm again in the minority that I don't mind the choice of where they showed little boy Jason standing there all decrepit and scary and shit and it just does this ding 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 like cut to his face closer and closer and closer i've heard people say it's stupid i don't mind it because again 
When I was a kid, I thought that scene was scary. It would have been better if it didn't look like he just had wet silly putty on his face. He did not look like he had wet silly putty on his yeah, face. Yeah, wet kind of green silly putty. Now, you want to talk about later, I might not argue. Oh, no, they fall in, <laughs> They turn him into a Muppet later. It's so bad. Yeah, but no, yeah, they crash and it ends up killing teacher lady. She has a name. I understand that. We're not here <laughs> for names. We're not here for names. No, but that was kind of disappointing, too. It feels like if you're going to have any kind of slasher movie, I don't believe in having kills that are not attributed to the killer. Incidental kills? I don't like those. Like, that's not what I came to see. She she died in the car wreck because the car exploded later. Like, if she's going to die, at least give her the dignity of having Jason take her out. Why are you looking at me like that? Because you're beautiful, but we're not going to talk about that right now. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but no. So, this is where Rennie kind of pauses for her identification station and decides that at the most random time, she's going to have her repressed memory come back of Charles saying, well, you need to learn how to swim, so I'm just going to yeet you into the river or lake here and I'm going to traumatize you for the rest of your life. It felt really weird that this is the scene where that happens, but, and I know I'm going to be alone in this, okay? You do see that he may finally recognize that what he did was wrong and show some sympathy or some remorse for his actions, and maybe it's his acting I bought it. I, I did. Because he starts to try to apologize to her. And unfortunately, it's never really... Because she doesn't care. At this point, she and Sean hate him so much that they don't even care that he's trying to make up for it. And I don't agree with that decision, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't... Give him a character arc. Give him something. I mean, it's not like he was beating his wife. Yeah. If you can give that jackhole a character redemption. Like, because of what he did to her, would it not have made more sense thematically for him to sacrifice himself to save her life? Wouldn't that have brought him more for full circle? Yeah, probably. Instead, he goes out in kind of a pathetic way that I hate. And that's that Jason picks him up. And gives him a swirly. <laughs> yeah, he gives him a swirly and a barrel of toxic waste. Because apparently in New York, there's just barrels of toxic waste <laughs> right. laying around everywhere. In Vancouver, there's barrels of toxic waste. Right. But no, I hate it because he's begging for his life. And... I don't have a problem watching people get murdered the fuck up, myrtleized, but when they start begging for their lives like that, it takes the fun out of it to me. Yeah. I think that's probably more realistic because I think most people probably would. I know. But that's not what I want to see in my movies. I don't right. I don't watch a slasher for real life. But so speaking I, of which I just sat there feeling uncomfortable. I don't feel like when you get down to sort of the, the nitty gritty of it, that all of her trauma is because he threw her in the water is bullshit. Okay. That that's all this lifelong trauma is because of that. I mean, am I the only one who kind of got taught to swim the same way? That's that's what my dad did. He just tossed me in the pool. And then wow. Had, <laughs> and, and you're still here, huh? Yeah. And then he had to fish me out because I sank <laughs> like a goddamn rock. Well, as somebody but, who has almost drowned twice <laughs> but i mean i did learn how to dog paddle after that so i don't feel like i was traumatized for life i just feel like it's a very thin uh basis to build this on that oh i was in the water and now i'm sad well i think it probably had something to do with the scary little boy that was pulling her down too but nah, she was just down there too long that was oxygen deprivation she was hey. hallucinating <laughs> there you go i mean well we've seen that she hallucinates through this whole film so maybe you're not wrong <laughs> she knew of the legend and so subconsciously her mind created that scenario i mean because charles was talking about the legend before he shoved her in. And, just like we learned in Field of Dreams, if you build it, they will come. She built the repressed memory. Jason showed up. That's true. So it was all her fault. It was all a dream. 
That too. <laughs> the whole dream was her fault. But yeah, getting getting dunked in a barrel was just kind of a yeah. It just it felt feels so like it should sad. have been more than that. Yeah, like I said it would have made better sense for him to like you guys run. I'll you know something some kind of understanding between him and Sean. Like I don't take care of her or something or not. Well, I would say not that she needs it, but clearly this character needed. She's not a good final girl. <laughs> She was not written as a good final girl. But from here, it's just a chase scene. You know, they run, Jason teleports. And what? So we, we kind of go Does the diner the come first or the subway come in, first? I think it's into the subway and then into... No, it is the diner. Well, at some point, they make it to a diner. And she the, stops. The, director's, the director's sister right? is, the, uh, waitress, is the waitress. Hostess. And she's like, they go in there like a maniac's trying to kill us. And she says, welcome to New York. Which I so thought, it, I think is funny. Makes you wonder how the, the New York travel board or whatever felt about that. Uh, I heard they got kind of pissed yes. about some of this stuff. At least they got pissed off about the marketing. Yeah. Which but, that poster was so cool. Like, I don't know, know why, why they, were they so bitched against about it. it. Get some more tourism. Exactly. Jason's in New York. They failed to capitalize on that. Anyway, but then the, I guess the cook who comes out to kind of like try to toss Jason out when he busts in behind him is played by Ken Kersinger, mm-hmm. who promptly gets his ass handed to him. Which and, is correct. And, and for the record, when you see those two guys standing nose to nose, Ken Kersinger is taller, but not by much. I mean, maybe if he was standing up straight and Kane Hunter was standing up straight, you could see like, oh yeah, there's a pretty good difference there. And that shot didn't look like much to me. I mean, did it look like he was dramatically taller than Kane Hodder? Kane Hodder dramatically taller? Yes. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, from there we get the subway scene. Uh, they run down into the subway. And one I of the love this best scene. scenes that I have seen in this, they're running through and no one in the subway fucking cares at all. They give no shits. And then Jason's walking through the subway and he gives no shits. And this woman gets in his way. <laughs> And if any of you are watching hockey, if any of you watch the Dallas Stars in the 90s, he full-on just Darian Hatcher's right through this lady. Like, he body checks her hard. And the look on her face. I think Kane Hodder really ran through that woman. Her reaction. Her reaction was everything. It's like, maybe it was a stunt woman. And then when he hit her, she was like, that actually fucking hurt. And, like, they just kept it. They kept her real reaction to that. Her face just cracks me up so bad. He walked through her like she was a door (laughs) or something. And then Rennie is like trying to scream at people, help, help us. And there's another guy sitting there that's like, fuck off. Yeah. Actually, didn't he say, this must stop? And then went back to sleep or whatever. There's two things in there. There's one that like you catch it in the bottom right hand corner, like on a partition between the seats says Quayton lives. Yeah. And apparently there was a marching band that the director was in or part of the name of one. And then there's a poster of like some dude. I don't know if it got graffitied up or if he was wearing makeup in the poster yeah. uh, when Sean reaches over to pull the, the emergency stop. Yeah. Uh, which will get you a $100 fine if you do it, you know, without an emergency attached don't to it. Don't do it. I mean, you read the sign. Everywhere <laughs> there's signs. And so it says Jason lives on it, the poster. It does. It does because I um I was today years old when you told me about the marching band thing. You are welcome. Um, so for the longest time, every time I just saw that, I'd be like, Quayton lives! Because Quayton, I always thought it was Quayton, so I was like, Quayton lives! It sounds like a Klingon name or something. But then they get they get out of the subway, they electrocute Jason on the third rail. And I don't understand why they would think that electrocuting him is going to put him down. It That's what brings him, him back, back to life. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. That's like when Thor electrocuted Iron Man. He's like, thanks for the boost. Right, exactly. Like, you oh, you fucked up now. <laughs> He's going to go like How about that? Super Saiyan 2. <laughs> Or something. Yeah. I'm a nerd. And <laughs> and uh, yeah, from there we go back up. 
up and you get to see Jason in Times Square. Okay. Now, I could really care not at all about what Sean and Rainey are doing in Times Square. The scene of him in Times Square is... It's iconic. Pretty... Don't use that word. I'm sorry. It's Don't, don't fucking... you use that kind of language with me. Iconic. I'm sorry, but it just is. I'm sorry. You're sleeping There's... on the couch. There's never been a scene like that before. There's never been a scene after. And just the idea of him just standing there, it's like, I don't know, it's like the Beatles. It's... So I will say again, for me, it's more about the backstory than the actual movie. Because in the interview with Kane Hodder, he was saying people were lined up behind the barricades on the streets, just dying, screaming for Jason Mm -hmm. when he came out. And he said he felt like a rock star. And he turned and, and he, gave, like, he did the slow head turn and they, that drove them even wilder. Nuts. And I just love that for him. And that, I love that it's one of his most cherished yeah, memories as the character. In that moment, he got to be a rock star. And right. that's awesome. And and I'm sure getting to be on the Arsenio Hall show, you know, during the press junket for all of this stuff and promotion of the film, that had to have added to that. And no <laughs> other actor portraying Jason got to have an experience like that. So even though he lost the role eventually, I'm glad he at least has that. No, none of the other guys can say that. He, even though people don't like his movies the most... Right? Right. The Kane Hodder films are are widely considered to be the worst ones. He made Jason the biggest that Jason ever was. Yes. If that makes sense. Yes. Because no Jason before or after had really been on television. Sure as hell hadn't been on Arsenio Hall. Like, that was sort of the peak, and he was it. So whether they like his movies or not, I want to say he put Jason on the map, but definitely put him on Times Square. And I also love the scene where he's walking and he kicks that gang's boombox and they go like they're going to try to start a fight with him. He rolls through there like, fuck your chicken strips. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, God damn it, why would you have to do that? Because I do it every time. And fuck your chicken strips. I'm sorry. I I miss Vine, guys. I miss Vine so much. But no, and he, and this is corny as hell, but yeah, when, when they really like, hey man, and they all like haul out their little knives and their little chains. It's so cute. They got their little weapons. You're, you're then, waiting for beat, beat It to queue up. Yeah. And then he raises his mask and they're like, no man, it's good. It's good. It's good. And in my mind, he's smiling at him the way he was in <laughs> part three, part three, when he's like pulled himself up and he's giving him the sloth. Hey, you guys kind of grin. Yeah. Um, except he's a zombie now. Wouldn't you pee like a little bit? <laughs> Blood pee? <laughs> that every function might happen simultaneously. <laughs> yeah. I, okay, it's a little corny. It is. But I still enjoy the shit out of it. I think it's it's wonderful. But at that point, I think this is where we end up in the sewer, right? Because, okay, so there's a thing, and it comes up earlier in there, that like every night at a certain time, all of the sewers in New York are flooded with toxic waste. There's not turtles down there fighting crime? No. But you would think that with all that toxic waste, there should be. <laughs> or at the very least, giant rats teaching ninjutsu. Eating pizza? But that is not how this works. Calabunga. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so this is where, oh man, this is where the movie goes. I mean, if it, I'm sure everybody already thinks it's gone off the fucking rails. But for me personally, this is where it goes off the rails effectively. And that's that Rennie and Sean have decided to take refuge in the sewer of all fucking places. And they meet up with, I guess, a sewer worker, maintenance guy, whatever. And he's trying to get them, find a way out for them. And Jason shows up and... <sighs> He kind of, I don't even know what he does to Sean. He just kind of bum rushes him, causing him to fly against the wall and get knocked out. And then bludgeons the sewer guy with a wrench. 
Yeah. And yeah. It, of course it's off screen. You just get some blood on the wall and that's it. Oh, man. But then Sean gets up and him and Rennie are headed for the ladder. No, no, not yet. Yeah. Because Rennie has her thing where she's like, you didn't get me in the lake. You're not going to get me now, which is corny AF. But then she finds a barrel of toxic waste. And what kills me here is she's beaten down on the lid with a flashlight on a lid that's clearly already loose because it's just bobbing up and down. Well, <laughs> and it clearly is supposed to lift off and she's hammering it down. Yes. You're really not helping yourself. Yeah. Read the directions. It says pull. <laughs> Hey, we don't talk about how I can't open doors, okay? But she takes the barrel and yeets the liquid at his face. And he turns into a Ninja Turtle. (laughs) Not really, but he does kind of turn into a Muppet because the makeup effects were goddamn awful. So her reaction to his face is that she screams because she's terrified. Meanwhile, my reaction on the other side of the screen is laughing my entire ass off. Because of his reaction, he's just like, I don't know. Squeal like a pig boy. (laughs) You sure do got a party mouth. Yeah, and then for some reason, even though we have seen Jason take a multitude of abuse in various different ways and continue to walk in power right through it, getting a little liquid on his face slows him down. Like, he's walking like I do after a few too many margaritas. Yeah, I don't, I, that made no sense to me. Like, he kind of turns into the Toxic Avenger for a moment, but it just, he's been, he's been drowned, clearly, um, electrocuted multiple times. He's which been hung. Just, he's been hung. He's been blown up. Taken an axe Set to on the face. fire. Um, Corey Feldman chopped his head half in Damn you're off. Yeah. He nearly halved him. And he just... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Getting some toxic waste on him, that's what puts him down. And what's worse ex- is it fucking turns him back into a little boy. What not, kind no, of not yet, fresh not yet. bullshit is the, that? The magical sewer water does that. Because, well, it was all toxic waste anyway. Because again, you would think, like, in my mind, I'm picturing the scene in Con Air where Nicolas Cage is walking up on somebody and they shoot him in the arm. And it doesn't slow him down at all. He just keeps on walking. I would think that that's what toxic waste to the face would do to Jason. Yeah, I would think that even if he started melting like the guy in Robocop, that he would just keep coming. Uh, I'm going to have nightmares. Like he would just keep coming Terminator style. Yeah, Not exactly. squeal like a little pig and then curl up in a ball on the floor until the sewer water comes for him. That just doesn't... Magic sewer water. It's it so gives, dumb. It gives rejuvenating abilities. I know. <laughs> But it's so dumb. So and yes, I, then at some point, Rennie wakes up Sean. They start to make their way to the manhole cover. And oh my God, it's it's so bad. It's so bad. Jason does this, mommy, don't let me drown. And then he starts spewing water from his mouth. And then yes, he reverts back to a child like this is some kind of full circle thing, which is what the director said. And I'm going, okay, that's fine. If these were artistic films to be begin with but do you remember what franchise you're in there were dudes shitting in outhouses a few films ago yeah this this that choice kind of reminds me of uh the direction that barbara what's her butt was trying to go in part seven exactly yeah we're trying to make a high art academy award-winning film bitch did you watch the one that came before this We're talking about Friday the 13th and Jason here. Yeah. Like, the only way you're going to be able to do that, and we talked about this at lunch today, like, if you did a full reboot, right, go back to one so that you can start it that way, you know, maybe, maybe you could. You might be able to put enough lipstick on this pig to 
to turn it into something like that, make it an elevated horror movie. You probably could. The first one, right? You know, the mother grieving for the loss of a child and all this stuff. But you don't do it on the eighth installment of a <laughs> fucking slasher movie in 1989. You just don't. No. They didn't know what elevated horror was in 1989. I don't know what to tell you, but our heroes have won. I use the term heroes loosely, and we get one kind of fake out jump scare that I totally forgive because we failed to mention the most important character of this film, which is Doggo Boy and Toby. Toby, and he got to live. A fucking dog in the franchise finally got to live. He made it from a lake in New Jersey across the ocean <laughs> all the way to Vancouver and then to New York through a sewer and lived. He's the boy who lived. <laughs> the good boy That's who it. lived. That's it. He's the good boy who lived. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> and that's the end of the film, guys. So I've pretty well made my opinion known. <laughs> you should probably share yours. I feel like I did too. Um, for all of its faults, I still love this movie. Um, and I'm going to kind of have the same lens next week when we talk about Jason Goes to Hell. I will make more argument for that film. I, I talked about in the beginning about this franchise being a comfort to me. It truly is. For all of its faults, for all of its inconsistencies, for all of its what-the-fuck moments, it's still a franchise I put on. This is still an entry in the franchise I put on. And I don't know. Relive my childhood. Feel safe. It's a it's a comfort thing. I don't know how to explain it. And, and I agree with that. Like I said earlier, I think with this film in particular, you have to be introduced to it early. You know, like if it's the first Friday the 13th movie you've seen, or if it's one of the first few that you've seen, and you saw him at a young enough age where you weren't too critical of it. But I think if you get introduced to this movie in particular later in life, like I did, where you're probably a little bit more jaded and you're a little bit more judgmental about how these things go, you're probably not going to enjoy it as much just because it's easier to pick out the holes. Because Jason's not really scary when you're a grown-up, right? You understand that it's fiction and that he's not real. But when you're a kid, those lines can get a little blurry, right? Um, you're still afraid of the boogeyman under your bed and he's scary for them. And so in that, it makes it scary. But yeah, I think you have to have a certain amount of nostalgia attached to this movie to really enjoy it. And when you love the Friday the 13th series, you're going to watch the shitty ones. You, you just do. No matter how shitty they are, you're always going to play every entry and, you know. Well, for me, I'm not going to watch all of them. I'm going to watch Probably the Kane Hodder ones, which would include this one. And it but it's the difference is you love it and it's a riff track for me. <laughs> I'm you know, but I mean there's there's some entertainment to be had there too. So is this one that you would recommend to all five of our listeners? I think if you're a completionist, yes, watch it. I you, think the if, thing is you might like it. And we don't say that as much as we used to, but just because I didn't enjoy it doesn't mean that you won't. So fucking watch it. And if you watch it and you love it, that's great. I'm glad you found something that you enjoy. And just because I enjoyed it doesn't mean you will. And that's fine. I won't judge you for liking it. And Ashley won't judge you if you don't like it. You like, like a, what you like. I was I was having a... I've, I've had a, some conversations with my friends over the last couple of days. And I'll like a movie that they didn't like. They'll like a movie I didn't like. And at the end of the day, instead of saying, well, you're wrong because you don't like it. We just kind of poke at each other and, and laugh at each other for what it is. It's fun. It's fun to have that dialogue with people. And, and maybe they can tell you explain why they don't like it in a way that makes sense to you maybe things you hadn't thought of before and vice versa and that's part of the fun about opening a dialogue about a film you know that there's a reason that toxic fandom is a thing now is because there's not enough people out there that can say i didn't enjoy that movie but good for you that you did instead it's what you didn't like that movie let me tell you why you're wrong well, we don't like people having different opinions or Ugh. making their own choices. So that just seems to be the way of it now. Yeah. 
but I do. You know, did you love this movie? Did you hate this movie? Let me know. I- I'd be happy to-, to talk with you about it. And if well, not, then just ignore me like you always I, do. I freely admit that there are movies out there that I like that no one else will. That's very true. So, <laughs> where does this movie fall in your ranking? Oh, shit. You're going to put me on the spot. I don't, I I don't have my numbers pulled I'll up. I'll tell you what. I'll do my ranking while you get your shit together. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a plan. So, I'm not. it's not going to replace number four. As in the top spot. So I've got four, six, five, seven, then eight, then three, two, one. Because even this one is better than 3D. Okay. So as it stands now, I've still got fourth in first place, two in second place, six in third place, five in fourth place, one in fifth place, but sixth place is now going to go to part eight. Seventh place, I already lost my numbers. God damn it. I do that every time. So it's going to go four two, six, five, one, eight, seven, three. So what I find interesting is that we both have three near the bottom and we both have four as number one. Yes. Yay us. High five. Yay. (laughs) But anyway, guys, um, again, thank you as always for sitting down and listening to us bitch and banter about the movies I hold dear. Not Travis so much, but you know. Well, I would be interested to know what some of our other, our you know, any of our five listeners think <laughs> about this movie. If you've watched it or if you decide you're going to watch it, um, hit Spooky Mom up on Twitter. And let her know. Absolutely. Or Instagram. I know Facebook right now because people suck on Facebook at the moment. But yeah, absolutely. Hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up on Instagram and give me your ranking. Give me your favorite, Jason. Give me your favorite entry in the series. I would be happy to know. So I think after we finish uh, the, the the Friday movies that we're going to do, like we're going to go through X, right, is where mm-hmm. we're stopping. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're going to have to reach out to some people, find out what their rankings are, because we found a few that are horror movie podcasters slash YouTubers that haven't given us an official ranking on how they rate these movies. Right. We're going to call them slash him out. We're going to put them on the spot. Slash him. Be like, break yourself. <laughs> Give me your numbers. <laughs> What movie is that? Don't be a menace. Yes. Yeah. But anyway, guys, we'll be back next week to talk Jason Goes to Hell, the final Friday. Hope to see you there. I've been Ashley. And I've been Travis. Take care, guys. Bye. Hey, Ashley. So what would people do if they're enjoying the show and they want to leave us a review? You'd review the show on your favorite platform, but that's just me. But who are you? I'm SpookyMom83. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm not going to direct you to Facebook because I hate it. (laughs) And I guess that makes me TravisL80 on Twitter. Just don't expect a lot. Yeah, you're not really big on the social stuff. I'm socially inept. That's true. But if you guys want to reach out, tell us what your favorite movie is, got any requests, any questions, stuff like that. You know, they can just stop in and say hi. They can just stop in and say hi. I will say hi. 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 Hello there. (laughs) But seriously, guys, feel free to reach out to us on all of our social media platforms. So they can kind of just stop in for whatever they want. And tell Travis why he's the better of the two, obviously. Please. Please do that. (laughs) Till next time, guys. Later. Bye.